Hello and welcome back to the Cisco UKI podcast, the podcast where we take the acronyms out of tech and we put the fun in. It's Claire and Rosie show. Rosie, we're back recording the Cisco UKI podcast. It's August. Can you believe it, Rosie? We have said goodbye to one financial year and found ourselves slap bang at the beginning of the next one. How did that happen? I've got no idea. We all go into hibernation in um, July, didn't we? Retreating, <laughs> close out the year, and now we're all back. Well, actually, some people are still in hibernation. They're still on holiday until uh, we go to impact, aren't they? So, yeah. But here we are. We're here recording, working. We are, but it's always so weird to me still that we we end our financial year in July. It's just a weird one, isn't it? Mm. Since I've been in sales, it's always been the same, to be fair. So mm. it must be a technology thing. Um, but yeah, so we had a wee, a wee night out last Friday with the Scotland team, which was nice. A lot of the Cisco teams tend to get together for the last day of the fiscal year. And we had a great little night out to celebrate all things that was financial year 22, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, we had our summer parties back in strong across the UK. Um, and yeah, still meeting new faces that are aligned to Scotland. So that was nice. We got to meet some new people, which is always interesting to get to know different people who, you know, I mean, how long have we been working here? Like oh, a year and a half now, we're still meeting new people. I know. And it's one of those ones where like, you've probably met them on a virtual call, but then when yeah. you meet them in real life, it's really hard to place them. Mm-hmm. I find that like the putting people like, I need context. I can't just because yeah, like people are shorter, taller, yeah. like just look completely different when you see them in real life. You're like, I just can't really put a face or people who I met ha- that had a mask. And so like, I didn't actually get to see their full face. Do you find that? that you yeah. like Last time you saw them, they had a mask and then I don't recognize them at all. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, agreed. But also found that a lot of people knew who we were without us knowing them because of the podcasts, because of the TikToking. Oh. <laughs> um, and then everyone was joking that there was like a big wide space between you and I who were sitting on our, our stools because no one wanted to come and talk to us because everyone was petrified we were going to make them dance or come Start interviewing them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it was, it was good. And yeah. What else has been happening? Oh, actually, this this month's episode, we're doing a wee bit of a football themed. And let's just start off by congratulating the Lionesses. And we say this as Scottish women. But yeah, big up England for winning the Euros. Big up women's football. I say this as someone who used to play football. I mean, play football is, let's, let's, um, Loosen that term a wee bit. I, I turned up to training, got the odd game, really just joined for the social aspect at uni. But, um, yeah, I've always been into football, even as a young kid. And it's nice to see eventually that the sport is getting some recognition and yeah, good on them. Well, I just thought it was fascinating finding out the history to women's football. I don't know about you, but I didn't realize that actually the women's football was a bigger game than men's football. And that's why it was banned for a good number of years. So yeah, I yeah. just thought that was interesting getting to know all of that. So the story basically is that during the war, all the men had got off and the women to kind of keep themselves entertained actually got when they were working in the ammunition factories and stuff, yeah. got really into football. And then so much so that they were gathering crowds, they were selling tickets. And then when the men started to come back 
from the war, they weren't very happy about this. And yeah, women's football essentially got banned. And for years, people have been having to fight for their quality to be able to play and to have the same training facilities and the same access to football. And yeah, it's basically been an, what's the word I'm looking for? A combination. And a, and a culminate when it all comes together <laughs> and it's resulted in England winning. So, yeah, I mean, we'd love to see some success for Scotland, men and women <laughs> and, and football. Um, Unders, just whoever. <laughs> anybody, anyone. Um, so, yeah. And what else has been happening? Oh, Rosie, in fact, talking about women and power and everything like this, tell us about the new programme that you're on at Cisco. Another great initiative that we are very lucky to have here. Yeah, so it's called the Jump Program. It's a female leadership program, like developmental program that I am starting. Well, I've kind of started, but the the kind of course kicks off uh, when we come back from impact. So beginning of September and it's like three different virtual courses. Um, but you get assigned a uh, um external mentor so i met Anne maria for the first time yesterday um yeah it's just it's, it's like we just had a great session on like self-reflection you know what are my challenges what aren't my challenges where i kind of see myself by you know the year 2025 um so yeah it was just it was really interesting and i think has opened up my mind a bit more to you know like kind of my next career move and what i want to do so already i feel like yeah it's opening my mind a bit which is the whole point of the course right is to kind of you know help guide you towards your next path your next career move um so yeah really interesting but yeah so just another great program that cisco do and you get aligned an external mentor and i think you get an aligned uh, internal mentor as well but it's just great to have and what i was saying to maria yesterday was it's great to kind of have someone who doesn't know you is totally like third party uh but like not not just from the business but i mean third party is from yourself it's not like your family your boyfriend your partner whoever it's just you know someone completely separate to your working day-to-day -day life and doesn't really have any background on you and just like hearing you say what you're saying right now so i just i found that really useful i think yeah no it sounds so interesting i'm excited to see how that progresses for you but yeah it's just so nice to know that we have these sorts of programs so anyone listening that wasn't aware of it speak to your manager if it's something that maybe you would want to get involved in um do you know how many cohorts they run each year rosie or it's just one okay um but i reached out to so a couple of people in the scotland team have done it um and wider um uk team that i'd spoken to and everyone said like if you know you can get on the course absolutely do it because you know it has kind of changed their their mindset um and so i've only ever heard good things about it so yeah when the opportunity came up um thanks to my manager and uh, my manager's manager i'm now on the course so shout out to ishbel and shane yeah brilliant you'll be a great addition to that cohort too um, and in other training courses, we're both signed up to do British Sign Language, which I'm actually excited so excited. About. Yeah, big yeah. up to Dave O'Neill. Um, I was like, I was saying, it was just so coincidental. Like, I had a teacher at school. She was a math teacher, and she learned sign language, and then she actually went on to go um, teach at the Royal Blind School in Edinburgh. Um, and, and like from them, I was just like, oh, that's such a lovely thing to do. Like, I'd really love to be able to do that. And I was saying to Seb, uh, who's, who's my boyfriend the other week that actually, like, I'd love to just be able to have like a basic conversational skills, you know, to, to do British sign language. Um, 
And then literally a week later, the course came up. So I was so excited. And then I pinged it to Colette. So we're not on the same course, which is sad, but, um, you know, I'll be able to have a buddy that we can help practice and keep learning, hopefully, because I would like yeah. to continue it. It's about it. time. It's about time we've been split up, though, Rosie. We're like <laughs> yeah. the two naughty kids at the back of the class. We're always together. <laughs> it's probably deliberate, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I went to Dave and I was like, can I get on the same class as Rosie? And he was like, no, it's full. <laughs> like, yeah, right. You're just trying to split us up, Dave. <laughs> no, but that is, so that's part of the CDAM. Um, I don't know what, I can't remember what we call it here, but it's like ERGs, like the, the social impact. One of the groups that we have within Cisco is the, um, connected disability, um, program. So they kind of, you know, help raise awareness within Cisco. Uh, and so, yeah, they're allowing us to do a British Sign Language course, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. And then before we know it, the podcast will be going out for this month and then we'll be off to Vegas. Yeah, so hide if you don't want to interview in Vegas because we are bringing our mics. <laughs> we are. We've been under the instruction to take our mics and we're going to be recording some action in Vegas, hopefully. So we might get some big names. But yeah, Rosie's right. Don't hang about with us if you don't want to feature on the podcast. There's a good chance we will whip out a microphone whenever we see you. So Day or night. <laughs> yeah. And if we don't have our microphone, we'll have our phones, which means TikToks. So yeah. Try and avoid us in Vegas if you're not into that. <laughs> no, don't avoid us. Be our friends. Yeah, please do. And yeah, so let's let's get started then. So like we said, we were big up in the England women's team for winning the Euros. Mm-hmm. And just by pure coincidence, this month's guest kind of has a bit of a sporting theme to it as well. So Rosie, tell us, who is our guest on this month's podcast? So we have Zach, who is one of the founders and CEO of a company called Wait Time, which isn't a Cisco owned company. Um, it is kind of our go to market strategy when it comes to, um, you know, monitoring people in real time, um, in like sports stadiums, airports, et cetera. But I mean, he'll explain it in more depth and much better than I can. Um, but yeah, it's super excited, super interesting. And it's come up quite a few conversations that I've been having within the Scotland market and I know like wider it's already being implemented in UK sports teams conference centers so you know it is a hot topic at the minute yeah and I found his I found Zach's story really interesting so he's got a great startup story we hear about how the idea came to life from a kind of personal event for him and yeah he's a young entrepreneur and he's got this great business and they're doing lots with Cisco so it was really great to hear their story and we really think that everyone will enjoy it and hopefully take something from the advice that Zach gives us as well so yeah shall we crack on with the interview Rosie? We shall. What time is it there for you just now? It is 9am coffee time. (laughs) (laughs) so yeah listen we really appreciate you joining rosie and i on the cisco uki podcast and yeah we're here to hear a bit more about you and also your business um rosie kick us off with some questions so i think it'd be good just to start as you know what is wait time in a nutshell how did wait time come about and what's your role within wait time yeah, absolutely. So, um, so my name is Zach Klima. I'm the founder and CEO of Wait Time. And I started the company right around seven and a half, eight years ago now, where 
It's kind of an interesting story. So I'm from Michigan, and we have a beloved hockey team here called the Detroit Red Wings. And, um, you know, it was one of the original six hockey teams in the United States. And so I was uh, just post-college. I was about 24 years old, 23 and I, it was, it was my turn to go grab beers for all the guys. Right. And it was a, um, a, it was overtime and it was, it was a really close game. And we had spent all of our money. We're broke college, you know, just post college grad school. And we, we spent all of our money to go to a, to a playoff game. And so I went to go foolishly. I went to go get up and grab beer for everyone. And right as I was standing in a very long line, you know, the, the sirens went off and the game winning goal happened. And I'm like, damn it. Like, that's, that's just crazy. I, I missed the game winning goal because, because I was standing in line. And so I thought to myself, who in their right mind would not want to know how long the lines are for sporting events? I think we all can agree on the call, uh, not in our heads there, uh, that it would be great to know how long the lines are. And I think that would be, I thought to myself, that's a universal problem across the world, you know, not just in sports, but you think about theme parks, you think about malls, you think about, um, you know, uh, anywhere where you have lines, really. And so that's when I thought to myself, wow, I think that I think I'm onto something. This could be a really good idea. So I started to do a lot of research on the idea and I, f- I found out that there was no one out there doing what we're doing this because of how hard it is to actually monitor crowds in real time. So that was the inception point uh, of how of how wait time started. And then fast forward seven and a half, eight years, um, you know, we are Cisco's go-to crowd management company across the world, uh, Intel Corporation, a number of other companies now where, you know, we've developed uh, a set of algorithms, you know, net new in the world algorithms when it comes to imaging and artificial intelligence that, you know, track the movement of people anonymously through camera systems like Meraki cameras uh, in real time. So at a Reader's Digest level, that's kind of how the inception of wait time happened. And, you know, at, at, a, at a high level, that's kind of where we sit right now at wait time. That's so cool. So we are sort of tying in this episode. We're having a bit of a football, football soccer theme this month. Um, obviously, the England Lionesses just won the Euros. I don't know if you were following that over yeah, yeah, there, but yeah, so a big deal for women's football here. Um, and yeah, so it's really interesting just to hear that your this whole idea was actually inspired by being at a sporting event. So is this your first like job out of college then, like having the startup business? Uh, yeah. So, um, so a little bit of my background, I have a master's degree in architecture. So building architecture, like, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright type architecture. And so I got a master's degree. It was a five-year program. And then I just, I got out of school and I started to be a designer and I was putting my headphones in for like nine hours a day and I was doing CAD on the computer. And I was like, that's not for me. You know, this is not for me. So I switched to the sales side of architecture, you know, selling architectural products. And, you know, one thing led to another. I actually met someone, uh, in that process that, um, that she actually introduced me to a guy named Dan Gilbert, who is a, you know, a, a multi-billionaire in Detroit. He founded Quicken Loans and a number of other large companies. And so I had a chance to pitch him on my, on my idea. And then he put me in his, his version of Shark Tank which is called Bizdom. 
where they accept five out of 5,000 applicants that they help to fund your idea and to kind of get it off the ground. And, uh, but the caveat there is you have to quit your job <laughs> and you have to quit your job. Uh, I'm, you know, 24 years old, almost 25. And, you know, I, I didn't even think about it. I was like, yeah, this is my one shot to do this thing. If I'm going to do this, it's going to be now. I don't have kids or a wife or a girlfriend or anything like that. So there was like less risk in my mind. Um, but looking back, it was all the risk, but looking, uh, but in my mind at that point in time, it was less risk because I had, um, you know, minimal baggage that I would have to deal with regarding how am I going to support a family or whatever. Right. So that's kind of how it all happened. Um, you know, right there. I know it's one of these things that's like a huge decision when you reflect on it, but at the time when you're in the moment, you're just like, yeah, I've got to do this. And so, um, yeah, I actually ran. I don't have a similar story to you, but I did when I was like the same age as you get given the opportunity um, of running a startup business. And it was funded by like a self-made millionaire in Scotland. But there was like no risk to me because he was sort of investing all his money in it. And it was like a no brainer for me. But for you to really have to quit your job and give up everything, like I, I have so much respect for entrepreneurs that do that. And I guess that's like when when you hear from successful entrepreneurs, they're all the ones who take the risks, aren't they? So otherwise they just never become successful. So yeah, I love hearing startup stories. It's so interesting. Thanks for sharing it. Yeah, looking back, it was pretty terrifying. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I mean, everything, obviously it was one day at a time, you know, even present day moving forward. Uh, but, you know, we had to, looking back, I was, I was so naive to just jump right in. But, you know, we had to create the market. We had to create the product for the market. And then we have to, we had to align ourselves with companies like Cisco to help sell our solution globally. And I, th I thought to myself at the time, I'm like, yeah, that'll be easy. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm, my fuel was passion. You know, it wasn't about, uh, money or anything like that. It was about passion of, okay, I want to change something. And so, and create something. And so that's kind of what was like my driving force. And, you know, I've been called, delusionally optimistic every day of my life so that's kind of how it you know how i had to operate i think that's how most entrepreneurs are described though isn't it and they always say that the most successful businesses are the ones where you don't just pluck an idea out of thin air and go for it it's one that actually solves a problem that you've been affected by or that you know someone that's been affected by so yours is a sort of prime example of that so so how big is your team now where have where have you got to now with them so, yeah, so right now, um, we have about, we did things very differently. We internally funded the company, which means that we didn't take private equity money. We didn't take, um, you know, venture capital money. We didn't take any of that. So what we did is we've internally funded the company, which means that we've aligned ourselves with a lot of, uh, you know, high net worth individuals, uh, that have, um, you know, done things in their life. For example, our head of technology, about 22 years ago, he invented an imaging technology that has about half the world market currently. So when I met him, um, he basically digitized the printing process. So he put in between a, a, a person and a printer scanner, he put a computer in between. So you can scale drawings, you can uh, directory, you can have directories, you can do all kinds of different things digitally with, with blueprints and drawings and things of that sort large format printer. So when I met him, 
through my other business partner, who is now my chief operating officer. He was having his um, not so small house being built. Um, and so I met him and he, um, I pitched him my idea, which was literally at the time, I, it wasn't an iPad. I didn't have an iPad. I couldn't afford an iPad. It was literally a binder of, 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 of like, uh, Photoshop renderings of, you know, like a three ring binder of paper that I was, you know, had my idea kind of outlined. And so he actually said, Zach, how much money are you trying to raise to get this off the ground? And I'm like, well, by my financial projections, which of course don't mean anything at the time, um, about $3 million. And he goes, Zach, we're not going to do that. I'm going to come into your company for equity. So he came in for ownership and just, and, and, you know, he as a serial entrepreneur himself, self-made, you know, he wanted to create and, you know, creating is the only thing that, that, um, it satisfies his, his mind because it's such a beautiful mind. And so he came in for equity. So at that point in time, we all shook hands and, and we were off to the races. So we were able to mitigate taking all kinds of external money, you know, me giving away, away my left arm and my unborn child to, to get money and to get things off the ground. We're able to do that through strategic partnerships within the company. So we have about 40 investors now. Amazing. So it's really been about relationship building has been so key for you then and the right people. Correct. Correct. And we have some, so one thing I want to kind of give a shout out to one of, we have a really, um, a really public investor in the company um, and and it's Michael Jordan's son. So Michael Jordan, uh, his son is my age. He's 33 years old. Uh, His name is Jeffrey Michael Jordan. And he invested in wait time about, uh, pretty much day one before anything was really built, he came into the company and, and, um, and, you know, he's been just crucial and pivotal and just, you know, uh, monumentally, uh, a game changer for us regarding, uh, you know, our validity and our clout, uh, to, to kind of get things to the next level. So we have a really nice alignment with, with Jeff Jordan. And so if you see me wearing anything Jordan brand, that's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. nice. So, what was the first like rollout of the? What was the first rollout of the technology for you? What was the first like kind of success story? Yeah. So um, we have a, a a basketball team called the Detroit Pistons, and so they played at a, an arena called the Palace of Auburn Hills, which was actually demolished about three years ago. But at the time, um, you know, I, I I contacted the head of technology at the Pistons and I said, hey. We didn't have anything built. We had zero built. We kind of started working on the algorithms, but we said, we want to prove this out with you guys. It would be really, you know, from a, you guys are a very innovative organization. Can we come in here and have you guys be our, our launch client? So they said, okay, we're, we'll give you a suite with that. They were never going to sell because the team was really bad. It was an empty suite for years. So they gave us a suite and almost a barter deal. So they gave us a suite and we renovated the suite to make it a, um, a showcase of our technology. We installed the technology in the venue and we made that suite a showcase. So we, we brought clients, uh, prospects up there. We brought, we were up there every single day, every single concert, every single game showcasing and refining our solution. So the palace of Auburn Hills with with the Detroit Pistons was our first client um, which allowed us to parlay our technology into, into other venues. So that was really ground zero of wait time. 
And when you're talking about that sort of like demo sweep, like just to give like our listeners an idea, what exactly is it that wait times does? Yeah, so that's a good question. So what we do is we mount cameras. Uh, and obviously with, with Cisco, we have a really strong alignment with, with Meraki. So we mount cameras and they're, they're downward facing. So they're 90 degrees to the ground and we mount them above concession lines, restroom lines, retail lines, ingress and egress to the building, anywhere where there's crowds of people. And what our technology does is we take the, the RTSP feed or the camera feed and on a Cisco server on site on prem, um, we're processing those camera feeds through our algorithms, which our algorithms, we monitor and, and, and analyze the movement analysis of people. That's in every inch per second. Um, you know, so monitoring how fast they're moving. We monitor how, what direction they move. So for example, you know, there, you could see a line and it could be pretty busy, but there might be people that are passing through the line. There might be people that are congregated off to the side. Um, so we disseminate uh, if people are actually in line or if they're just kind of off to the side or congregated or passing through. So our technology is all artificial intelligence and imaging. So we track the movement analysis of people in real time uh, on the back end. So what we do with that information, there's really two parts of it. So all the cameras are working in real time to monitor the crowds. And so operations is number one. We feed all this information into an operational dashboard where, you know, operations of these large venues, not just sports, but large venues, they're able to actually on a series of tablets or iPads or in a control room on a big, big screen TV, they're actually able to pull up the camera views of every single location that we're monitoring with a, with a analyzed interpreted technology over the top. So it's basically a heat map of your entire venue, green, yellow, red, and they pull up the areas and they're able to see exactly what's happening with our artificial intelligence. So basically, we kind of coined a phrase that we turn operations from a buckshot into a rifle shot. So, you know, they're able to have this interpreted intelligence over the crowds so they know exactly how their venue and all of the different locations across their venue are behaving in real time. And so they're, you know, for example, they can set trigger thresholds. So if it hits a certain number of people in line, if it hits a certain density of crowd, if it hits a certain occupancy, notify my staff in real time automatically. So that's really from an operation side and a data side. So through our data stream, our API, we visualize the performance of each location that we monitor. So from the start of the event to the end of the event, how the, the trends of the crowd have spiked and dropped and equalize itself over the, over the event or over the day. So they're able to have this crowd intelligence profile from a data perspective. And so they actually intersect that data with like point of sale data, marketing data. You know, it's basically human behavioral data that we provide that they intermingle with DNA spaces, for example, and other, um, you know, data sets that they have across their venue. So that's on the operations side, which is really good because they're able to be more efficient with their operations regarding the crowd flow, but then also the guest experience side. Going back to my original story of how I started the company, I want to know where the shortest line was. So basically what we do on Cisco Vision or now called Vision Edge on IPTV, on big digital screens, as a fan walks out into the concourse, they're able to see concessions to the right, concessions to the left, 
restrooms to the right, restrooms to the left, and what the wait time is in that green, yellow, red spectrum bar. So it's basically a tra traffic light mentality that's all fed in real time. So green equals, you know, short line. Red is long line. So, and it's all in real time. So you're able to know as a fan around the corner that, you know, you have a wide open line or you have a busy line. I'm going to go to the right because the left is very busy. And so, um, you know, from that side, but we also integrate with each of the venues, mobile applications. So, you know, um, Miami Heat or the Buffalo Sabres or whatever team we're working with, um, you know, we're able to integrate with their mobile strategy. So fans at their seat, at their fingertips are able to see what those wait times are in their hand before they leave their seat. So it's really, we take operations uh, and the data side and, and the guest experience side, and we overlay it into this 360 crowd management solution um, for large venues. Yeah, no, like it plays into so many different things. There's obviously health and safety for the venues, them knowing what entrances are busier than others. Um, and I think there was, there's a one new case that they actually use it for the toilet and how, how often they need to clean the toilet. Cause if they know they've had X amount of people through the door, then they then automatically pings the cleaner to say, Hey, you've had X amount of people. Please go clean the toilets to make sure that the, um, people who are attending the venues are getting, you know, an all round, great experience so um right. it's it's so fascinating but obviously wait time is vendor agnostic we would like to say that but it works well with the meraki cameras like why does it actually work you know great with meraki cameras in particular yeah so meraki is not just um you know in our mind they're not just a cisco company and that's why we work with them they actually you know we we're camera experts, you know, obviously with, with what we do. And so they're basically, we call them the Swiss army knife of cameras because they have so many different applications and software that they're able to pull the lever on like thousand eyes and every angle and all these different companies that we work really well with, you know, it's basically a different uh, application. It's like the iPhone of cameras basically. And so as opposed to others that we've worked with in the past, they don't really have that software um, ecosystem on the back end. So that's why we like Meraki and not to mention, you know, the flexibility of the Swiss Army knife, uh, comparison, but also they have, um, I like, we love the Meraki dashboard because you can go back in time and you're able to see exactly what happened Tuesday at 10 a.m. Right. And so that's, that's really what, um, we like about Meraki the most. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously you've talked about NFL stadiums and, and big, I mean, we don't have the luxury of that in the UK, although I think most of us wish that we did have those kind of facilities. But I know you've got some really cool case studies within the UKs. Like what's, you know, kind of the one that's integrated into the most into wait time? And can you share a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I would say number one, and we have a, we're starting to really kind of go in the UK right now. But the biggest one we have is the NEC, the National Exhibition Center in Birmingham, England. Uh, it's really the best one we have because it's such an iconic venue. And not only is the venue, they own a lot of venues, right? And a lot of different locations. So what we did with that from an exhibition slash convention center perspective is we, um, we have four algorithms. One of our algorithms is called entry exit. So we mount the cameras above entrances, uh, to spaces. And what our technology does is we are monitoring how many people are entering and exiting those spaces 
in real time with massive amounts of people at the same time. So what they use it for is exhibition hall occupancy. So how many people are in the exhibition hall in real time? As you talked about, Rosie, with health and safety is a big, massive, um, you know, check mark for us there for occupancy. It's, it's part of the, uh, what they call the venue, um, the venue shield or protect shield program in the UK. So that's number one. But number two is they actually will use the data to then sell it back to vendors that are, that are occupying the space. So it's a really, a, a such an innovative solution, uh, when it comes to wait time in Cisco there. But what they also do is they take, which we love, they take our data, which is all, you know, we're tracking bodies, right? Head, shoulders, arms, anonymously, of course, we're GDPR compliant. Um, you know, so they, we, they take the wait time data and DNA spaces data and they overlay it. So we actually equalize and sort of help to stabilize DNA spaces data because they do everything from a, from a Wi-Fi standpoint. We do the opposite. But when you put everything together, you're, you're able to glean a lot of insights. So it's one of those stories of better together. Um, and so I would say that NEC is probably the most innovative, one of the most innovative clients we have over there. And they're the biggest one we have. So, and that's all Cisco, all Cisco deal. And, you know, it's pretty interesting because wait time as a software, we helped Cisco get that deal because of a kind of an X factor scenario where they were actually not going to go with Cisco. And then, but then they introduced wait time in the mix and wait time helped them to get the deal just based off of the business outcomes that we're able to provide for them. So the idea behind the technology and the NEC that if, if they're hosting conferences and everyone has like their own space to set up that they can basically price the premium areas where they have the most footfall and right. they use all the data for that. That's Correct. really cool. Because sometimes it can be really hard to justify why certain spaces within exhibitions cost more. But when you actually have the data to back it up, that's pretty incredible. It's pretty powerful for places like those exhibition centers. Correct. And that's where, you know, we see it. And, um, you know, I'll send you guys some media on it. But the way that they describe wait time uh, at the NEC is is revolutionary because of exactly what you said, you know, charging um, part of like their kind of their negotiations for, for leasing and, th- and different things of that for different trade shows. And, you know, they want to get, you know, certain shows there, but why would a certain show come there as opposed to another venue? They actually will use wait time as a catalyst to attract more shows to come to them based off of the technology that they're able to, to leverage at those at the NEC. Yeah, but it also helps keep their vendors happy because, you know, you don't want to be spending the same amount as, you know, the, the, the bar at the front and you've got the bar at the back and you're, you're paying the same rental space, but actually you're not getting the same amount of footfall. So it actually helps keep their vendors happy because they know that they're getting a fair price for their location, their product, et cetera. Correct. That's exactly right. And can we expect to see wait time in any sporting stadiums in the UK or? We are. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I wish I could say the one where I know. it's a massive one, uh, but uh, it is in England and it's, uh, okay. I'll say it's a top five um, football slash soccer um, <laughs> team in, in, in the world. So um, we'll be, uh, we'll be on unveiling that pretty soon, which really should help out with, a lot of the other stadiums in, in the area 
um, and not just in, in the UK, but UMIA in general. Um, so yeah, that'll, that'll come shortly. And that is another Cisco deal as well. Brilliant. That's exciting. We look forward to hearing about it. And so what's the future hold then for you and for wait times? What do you think? Yeah. So really what we're, what the next step for wait time is, is really helping to helping wait time help Cisco to press the button, right? So we've proven ourselves in um, sports and entertainment, convention centers, exhibition centers, kind of the same uh, vertical there, uh, airports. Uh, we're going into an airport in England as well right now, um, and, uh, Bristol Airport, I can say it. Um, um, and then retail, so mall, you know, large shopping centers like Mall of America, for example, in, in the United States. Um, train stations, um, uh, smart cities. So we've proven ourselves in, you know, seven, six, seven different industries now with Cisco. So now it's about scale. And so, you know, Cisco is a massive beast and it's been about a half a decade to help navigate ourselves around that beast. But we've done, a, I think, a really good job of doing that and remaining patient uh, and not, um, you know, um, screwing it up. <laughs> and so now it's really about scale. And so my job now is really to educate different account teams and, and sales leaders within Cisco to help effectively sell the solution on Cisco products so everybody wins, right? Now, a wait time acts as a massive pull through for UCS, you know, uh, Cat 9300 switches to Meraki cameras to um, professional service agreements to it's a complete just a software overlay on all of Cisco equipment. So it's a massive Cisco pull through, which is why Cisco saw it um, in the beginning, which started off with sports and entertainment, uh, a guy named Ken Martin, who is one of my, my closest uh, compadres at Cisco. And he's, you know, kind of a big mentor of mine. And so, you know, he kind of led us down the path of if you integrate your software into the sales motion and product integration of Cisco, then that will be a very good thing for helping to grow your, your, um, you know, your deployments across the world. And so fast forward five years, here we are. So the, the next the big step for us is scale. Yeah. And do you think you'll ever stop getting the bug for startups? You think there's any more startup ideas in your mind that you might go after in the future? Oh yeah. I mean, I think once, um, you know, ultimately we'll probably end up selling the business, right? At some point. Um, but I'll probably want to sleep for a couple months <laughs> before take us, I'll take a small coma nap, um, until, um, uh, but, but I mean, all joking aside, probably, I mean, you know, for me, it's really, I can't, I can't necessarily work in a, in a cubicle all day. I don't think any of us can, um, you know, that's not really in the cards, but, um, I'll get back to you on that one, but there's a lot of ideas <laughs> swirling in the, in the old head there. So, yeah. Yeah. And we've ha had like a, a couple of people on the podcast and we've always asked them kind of, you know, career advice. We have a lot of uh, apprentices and grads, um, at Cisco and obviously, you know, hopefully wider listeners. Um, is there any advice that you'd have for, you know, budding entrepreneurs of, you know, what they should do to make their ideas come to life? How much time do we have? <laughs> uh, no, um, so I learned a lot about what not to do, really, because like I, you know, in school, I, I will say this, and 
you know, maybe my mom will yell at me if she listens to this, which of course she will, because I'll send it to her. But, you know, I was never a straight A student. I was, you know, a 3.0, um, you know, B's, you know, uh, student. And I was never the, you know, the, the brainiac, right? But, you know, I guess my, my strong point was, was relationships and actually, which is going to sound crazy, actually listening. And so what I, what I view as something that it's not gospel because, um, you know, I'm not the end all be all for anything. And, you know, of course, I'm still confused about like kind of what ha- what's happened with my life. But, you know, with every kind of mentor that I've surrounded myself with, like Ken Martin at Cisco and um, Wes Sylvester, who heads up ISG and all these people who um, kind of help to craft the story of wait time and people like Jeff Jordan and his dad, Michael, who I've gotten to know over the over the years. And, and really, it comes down to, to one thing is 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 really is shut up and listen. That's what it is. It's shut up and listen. Because there's too many entrepreneurs out there that um, I'll, I won't even say entrepreneur. I'll say entrepreneurs. That's with a W. Want they they want to be an entrepreneur, and but they're so prideful and they're so egotistical where they say, "Oh no, that's they'll get advice like really good advice from someone that has been there and done that, maybe a really successful person." But they'll say, "Um, you know, that's not really the way I envisioned it, or that's not the really the way that I've." Uh, that's not really how I've dreamed it. That's not really my idea. And it's like, okay, well, do you want to take a peek at the Super Bowl playbook from Bill Belichick, who's been to the Super Bowl, you know, seven times? Or do you just want to, what do you know? What do I know? I never did this before. Clearly, there is there is some sort of a playbook for this. Don't you want to take a look at it? So really, my advice is listen to people and don't be too prideful don't let your your hubris get in the way. That's just a, that's how you fail. And, you know, just listen to people and take advice and actually use it. And and you'll know over time as your story and your product and your your um, your unfolding of everything starts to fruitionize. I'm not even sure that's a word, but fruitionize. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there we go. Uh, as that starts to become a reality, you'll start to, you know, filter out the BS advice that you might get from someone, right? But take the core advice that you get from these people who have been there and done that and actually put it to work. You know, don't be so prideful to discard um, what people are telling you because it could change your life. That's great. And actually ties in really nicely to one of our, is it our core values, I guess, at Cisco of leave your ego at the door is what we say at Cisco. And it's so true because I think, you can go into any situation and you can always learn something. And I think a lot of people don't live by that. They just sometimes think they're not going to learn anything or they can't the other way that other people do things are not the right ways. And I think you should always go into everything with an open mind and be willing to learn something from someone else. So great advice, Zach. Um, I mean, I think it was such yeah. an interesting conversation. People are going to love it. So we really, really appreciate your time. Yeah. So, you know, if people, you know, customers or, you know, potential prospects for yourselves are thinking, "Mm, this could work in my venue or I've got more questions, what should they do? Where should they take their questions? Yeah. I mean, they can reach out to me directly. Um, I'll give you my, I'll leave my, my email address. Uh, I'm on that or, you know, teams I'm, I'm, you know, glued to my computer. So, um, as I'm sure we all are. So I'll give you both of those things and you can just, you know, drop it wherever you need to drop it. And they can reach out to me directly and I, I am very accessible. And so just, I'll get right back to you. And, um, and I have actually one more piece of advice that, um, 
I really want to say is, as you know, I, I see a lot of these founders where, you know, they'll be on all these interviews and, and they'll take uh, all the kudos and all this kind of crazy stuff. But the one thing I learned is, is uh, the, the sign of a true leader is, is deflection of kudos and congratulations. So, you know, for me, you know, if it wasn't for, uh, Elizabeth, I think Rosie, you met Elizabeth on our team to yeah. John Mars, to Doyle, to Tom Sterling, to every single person on the team. You know, I'm just a bartender. I'm a glorified bartender. You know, I kind of, I'm a switchboard, right? Okay. This needs to go here to go here. Right. But you know, I would be just nothing without any of the people that support. So I would say as well, you know, if you are find yourself in a situation where things are looking good, you know, don't accept any kudos or, oh my God, you're, you're, you're so smart. How did you do this? It's like, no, I'm, I'm actually the dumbest person in my company, <laughs> like legitimately the dumbest person. But what I do is I listen and you get the right people to, you know, you surround yourself with smarter people going back to the whole Steve Jobs quote thing of, you know, you want to kind of be the dumbest person in the room um, because that's how you learn. And so if it wasn't for any of the other people on the team, you know, this would never be well, we'd never be on this podcast with Cisco, right? And so that's where, you know, if I get, oh, Zach, you know, congratulations on your success. It's like, no, 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 it's all of ours, right? And so, you know, that's where um, I just want to make sure that that's a, a very well-driven home point. Oh, sounds, sounds like you've got a great team. Sounds like you're a good leader as well. So, yeah, again, we'll just round up by saying thank you so much. Um, it's been a pleasure. It's been so eye-opening just to hear your background. Um, and we really, really appreciate yeah. you sharing your story. So best of luck with everything with wait time. We can't wait to hear all these latest announcements coming from the UK. So uh, we'll keep yeah, our eyes peeled. Yeah. Thanks awesome. so much. Rosie, that was a great interview with Zach, wasn't it? I love hearing a startup story and how cool. Like he has all those connections to the Jordans. What a cool story. But I know, I know. But it's just great to hear kind of how different people started their business because it's just, I think, you know, if you're leaving university or you're in a career that, you know, isn't fulfilling you, then sometimes you just need to take a leap of faith. And, you know, people have done it before and it's worked out. Uh, but as he said, he didn't have any kind of other baggage, girlfriend, wife, mm. kids. <laughs> baggage. Um, no, I see big things for him. He seems like a very switched on guy and what a great idea for wait time. So, yeah, not well, much all happens, to happens to all of us, isn't it? When you're waiting in the queue and you're like, oh, God, how long have I got? How long do I have until I need to be in my seat? And I mean, I've been caught out about it because lots of acts say that you can't leave while the act's performing. So, like, if you don't get your drinks or your snacks or whatever beforehand, then you're snookered. Absolutely. So what else is coming up for the pod this month? I think everyone needs to keep their eyes peeled for another special tech talk coming at the end of the month. If you haven't, if you're new to the podcast and don't know what our tech talks are, they are 30 minute special episodes where we deep dive into a specific area of technology. And this month we are going to have another sort of sport themed tech talk to tie into this month's sort of football sporting theme. Yeah. Nothing else to add to that, Rosie. Great. That's a bit Sounds of a like great for me. <laughs> Thanks very much. Um, and other than that, we're off to Vegas at the end of the month and we will be recording September's episode from Vegas. 
Thanks, baby. Um, exciting. Yeah, so stay tuned. We are going to be cornering people and hallways, you know, you name it. We're going to be doing kind of the lunch live queue. Chats. We'll be there. The lunch queue, the, yeah. The bar. There's no hiding place. <laughs> we will find him <laughs> and we will yeah. have a quick conversation. We can run, but hopefully, but we can't we'll hide. Of, <laughs> hopefully, we'll have lots of little snippets of conversations and um, kind of give you an insight into um, lots of different people, hopefully, and um, maybe some non UK based people. Yeah, that'd be fun. And listen, if you actually would like to feature on the podcast, you've got a fun story from Cisco that you'd like to share, you want to shout out any of your teammates on the podcast, please do get in touch with us. So you can like and subscribe to our podcast on any of the main channels. So we're on Spotify, Apple and SoundCloud. And Rosie, how can people reach out to us via our inbox? So as always, we have our email address, which is ukipodcast at cisco.com. So that's ukipodcast at cisco.com. But we love your emails. And, you know, Colette and I love to hear from you. So please keep sending in your emails. And as Colette said, if you want a shout out, maybe a wee happy birthday. Let us know. Yeah. And other than that, we will see you at the end of the month for our tech talk. And Rosie, we'll see everyone in Vegas. Woo! Over and out. <laughs>